All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another week of the Text Lab, where we dive into God's Word in His text this week. It is good to be back together. Will, how are you doing over there? Bro, I am doing great. It was a full week of baseball for me. Went to the A's game Saturday and then watched a little muddy ball last night. You know, that is my love language. Newsflash, Will is now an A's fan. Welcome back to California. I am California. a kingdom A's fan. Let's make that abundantly clear. Still love my Giants. Still named after Will Clark, but I am a kingdom A's fan. I love that. I love that. Um, You know, it's starting to warm up a little bit, too. Summer is here, Will. I know, Crawl. You got the shades. We're going to get the sun's out, guns out sooner rather than later. <laughs> You're going to be living your best life. I don't know. We'll have to see about that. Um, well, hey, welcome to the Text Lab. We are glad that you're joining us this week. We really just hope that this helps prepare you for Life Group this week, for diving into the text, um, diving deeply on your own, just to hear what God's Word has said to us this week. This week, we are in Revelation 13. Um, this is actually going to be the last Text Lab that we do to t- before we take a break break for the summer. Um, we, we hope this really just has been helpful for you. Uh, Will, as we dive into Revelation 13, what are just some of the big ideas that stand out this week? Yeah, I mean, it's a vi- it's a continuation of what we kind of walked through last week, right? There's going to be a lot of things that mirror exactly what we talked about last week, uh, which may really seem unclear to us 2,000 years later. Uh, it would have been really instantly recognizable to the readers. Uh, a gr- great kingdom built on seven hills, seven heads that has... Uh, 10 kings reign, 10 crowns since the death of Jesus and come, comes from uh, its great city across the sea. And we hear Rome, uh, the whole world follows the powerful beast, it seems, uh, and the beast seeks to kill the saints. Um, you know, it could be Rome, could be something else, depending on where you fall on it. But honestly, the idea of this passage, same thing that like we talked about last week, same thing is like, how is Jesus the center of the story? We always say like, we want it to be about this. What is the authorial intent of John? And John really is writing a Christological book in Revelation. He's saying, God has won, he is winning, and he will win, which is solely focused on what the father does in sending the son, the son living the perfect life in order for him to die, be raised, take our place, and how the spirit is then sent. Yeah, I think we're starting to sound like a broken record, which is a good thing. I think when we come to this Revelation text and this whole Revelation series, because what we're really just trying to say is what is the big idea of these passages? What is the author's intent? And really, how does this point us to Christ? We had a phenomenal discussion in our life group this last week, really focusing on those things. Um, Unpacking what some of the different um, images might have been and really what those symbolized, but not going down the rabbit trail of trying to apply a modern day interpretation of this means uh, this Apache helicopter, this means this country or whatever that is. I think that is really a misreading of the text and not John's intent here. Rather, John is trying to say something important about who Christ is, what Christ has done, um, and the reality of the cosmic battle that is all around us. And so this is really a continuation continuation of last week, that cosmic battle that we saw out, that Christmas in May scene um, that is being played out here um, between Satan and the enemy and Christ's coming, his work through the nation of Israel, his redemption and restoration of all things, um, and ultimately how Satan is trying to stop that, but as we saw last week, ultimately was thrown down. And so here in this chapter, we see just a continuation of this cosmic battle. I think 
another point, again, we've said this multiple times, but so much of Revelation is going back to the book of Daniel. We see that again here in Revelation um, chapter 13, where uh, you just see a lot of the Daniel imagery being played out again as Daniel interprets uh, Nebuchadnezzar's dream in chapter 2, um, and just a lot of the symbolism that's connected back to Daniel 7 as well. And so, just encouragement for you, the listener, um, read through the book of Daniel maybe this week. Uh, I, I am just continually uh, amazed at how often to know our New Testament well, we have to know our Old Testament well. Um, the more we know our Old Testament, the easier a lot of understanding these images becomes. And that's just an important part of studying God's word and knowing it well is knowing the Old Testament in order that we can know and understand the New Testament well. Yeah, dude. And I love that so much because here's the thing too, like we're able to look at even Daniel through a different lens, right? Like, and we don't, we don't say like, Hey, grab revelation and interpret Daniel through revelation. We're trying to say like, Oh, actually Daniel's trying to point us to revelation. So that's just like a helpful, like textual understanding of like, understand when we're reading the Old Testament, especially different passages like Daniel, it really is the heartbeat of the reader of this forward thinking, a forward awaiting of a Messiah to come through the book of Daniel. Through the, It doesn't matter what we're looking at. If we're looking at Psalms. We're looking at the wisdom in Proverbs. It's this forward longing and awaiting of who God is and what God is doing in sending the son. Because ultimately, like when you look through the book of Daniel, we really do see this longing, this need for a future king, the greater Abraham, the greater Isaac. And I think that's what we're seeing here, right? Like we're seeing Jesus being both the lion and the lamb. We're seeing Jesus slain um, taking the place of the greater Isaac. And we also, we also recognize that he is the one who conquers all sin and death. And so he rules and he reigns as king of the world, regardless of this militant power, militant power that we see going on here, both in Rome, but also here and now, like it's, it's both and here, like, like Jesus is still ruling and reigning over all things right now presently. Yeah, and and recognizing that is something that then changes how we live each day, how we live this week, how we even understand our world and our present context as a whole. Those are some of the big main ideas coming out of this Revelation text, even looking at like verse four, where people are worshiping the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, and they also worshiped the beast. So as we approach a text like that, one direction to go with it is, okay, who's the beast? And are people worshiping it? Who's the, exactly the dragon? Are people worshiping the dragon? What is that? That How is that being played out? But I think the principle there is recognizing people are worshiping something other than the true king who has been on display since the first chapter of Revelation. And so there's something there to look at, something there to unpack, something there to sift through our own hearts and say, are there ways and places that I'm worshiping anything other than Christ? Uh, yes, there are. How do I repent from those now? Are there ways people in our world are worshiping things other than Christ? Yes, they are. They are being led astray by darkness, by Satan, by a dragon and a beast leading them away from Christ. And so recognizing those type of principles, that this cosmic battle is being played out, that Christ is sitting on the throne, but there are ways that Satan is continually to lead people away from God. And you see that even continuing in verses five, six, and seven, that this um, the, the beast was given power to wage war against God. 
God's people. And so just recognizing again, this is really like parallel of like an Ephesians 6 where Paul just says that our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it truly is against um, the powers of this world and the darkness of this world. Recognizing that spiritual battle that is all around us um, and and just recognizing that that's, that's a reality of the world that we live in. And that's the beauty of what scripture is for us, right? Like Calvin has this great quote uh, that w- that we should, in short, seek the whole of Scripture truly to know Jesus Christ and the infinite riches uh, that are comprised in Him and offered to us by Him from God the Father. If one were to sift thoroughly through the law and the prophets, he would not find a single word which does not draw and bring us to Him, Jesus. And like, that's the beauty of Scripture. It's like, we're able to step into Daniel and we're able to step into Revelation and say like, oh, actually, this is revealing a lot about me because it's revealing about what is sitting on the throne of my yeah, heart. Really good. what is pulling in and where are my affections being drawn to? Um, and honestly, like it's, it's a continual battle, right? Like we sit in those spaces and we say like, okay, what does it truly mean to know God? It's truly knowing God and who he is and knowing ourself and realizing the depths of our depravity, but the beauty of the gospel that we find in revelation, that even in the midst of that, God still sends the son to die for us. And like, this is the picture that we get here, this cosmic battle that's taking place that we can't even see that both we see for Christ being born into the world, but also in our daily life. Like that cosmic battle is very much still happening here and now in every single moment of our life. But yet Christ is still on the throne. He's still with us and the spirit is still leading and guiding us into his truth. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I love actually even about this Revelation text is it kind of wakes you up to that reality. It wakes you up. It kind of pulls you out of just the way that um, our kind of Western modern daily life can kind of lull you to sleep of the reality of this. And and so when you read through some of these verses, you read through this text, things like verse eight, where it's all the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the lamb's book of life, the lamb who is slain from the creation of the world. It wakes you up to the reality of, as we talk about present day life, there's actually worship that's going on. There's actually uh, allegiance that is going on here. And Revelation is continually coming back to saying, who is your allegiance? Is it to Christ or is it to something else? And you see the significance, the drasticness of that choice of some people worshiping the lamb, some people worshiping the beast and the dragon. And to question our own hearts, who am I worshiping today? Where is my allegiance to? Um, Is it fully to Christ? And I think like you see this at the very end of this passage, right? Like we have a lot of differing views on what 666 means and how we think about like, what is the mark of the beast? Is it something that's unknown? Is it something that I can know? Like, what is this? And honestly, all it is, is exactly what you just said. It's like, what jersey are we putting on? It is, this is who I am. This is who Christ has made me to be. Am I having this allegiance towards who Jesus is, even in my brokenness? And I think that that's something important. It's right. It's like, it's not saying like, okay, you have this allegiance. You're going to be perfect. It's actually like what the beauty of the Christian life is, is a repentance. It's a reminder of, oh, oh, I have been choosing lesser joys. Let me find more joy in Jesus. And what does it look like to not be marked by anything but Christ, right? So that's like the, that's like, I think like the main point here coming out of this revelation 
chapter of 13 is just, okay, what does it look like to actually just be marked by Christ uh, every single day in all of our life, not marked by anything else in any sort of way? Those are the questions I think we hope that you would ask about this Revelation text. And really, the questions that will get to your heart, to, 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 to what is, sits on the throne of your heart, and asking that question of what are those things that are needing repenting of? Is, am I marked by anything but Christ today? What does it look like to be fully marked with him, worshiping the king, our allegiance given to him who sits on the throne? Will, as you think about it, just day-to-day application on some of this, what comes up for you? Well, I love how we started this, right? With uh, Kingdom Ace fan, Giants fan, and Allegiance. Um, I I love that we're able to step into spaces and say like, oh, I can be hold both things at once. I can still be a Giants fan, but for the sake of the kingdom, I can step in and be an Ace fan because it's hard to be an Ace fan, right? <laughs> Just kidding. No, but like for the purpose of seeing the gospel go forth, um, it's just, it's a different allegiance. It's a different way that we're able to look at the world and it's a different way to say like, okay, like Jesus, I trust you. You're working in my life. Like help reveal to me where I am finding these lesser joys and let me find more freedom and allegiance in you because ultimately that's what the gospel is so good so good i think i think for me this this passage is ultimately about worship it is about allegiance it is what are you marked by and um there's a there's a call a directive and an invitation into repentance from there there there's a, there's a warning to to uh, from revelation a, a gift of grace to say wake up recognize that the world is worshiping other things than Christ so repent of any places of my heart that haven't been worshiping Christ and then what does it look like just to live today in allegiance to the king just in daily moments as you walk through your day um, how is everything really done as an act of worship to the one true king um, being marked fully by him. I think there's a challenge there, but then there's also just this invitation uh, to surrender, to get off the throne of my heart, to say, how do I spend my time, talent, treasure um, in worship to the one true king um, who who will rule, who does rule, who will rule for all of eternity, um, and, and to walk in that type of surrender and allegiance to him. So good, man. Well, we just want to give a quick shout out to Ryan and Zach Surface. Ryan writes up the text guides for us week in and week out and does a fantastic job. And Zach Surface is the man behind the mic who is fantastic. Check out his mustache for Mustache May. We love these guys. Hey, thanks for joining us. We hope that this equips you to walk with your Pray Watch community or your life group this week in your coffee shop, in the car, if you're mowing the lawn, working out. Thanks for joining us. Um, and we just really hope this equips you to dive into God's word this week. As a reminder, always do your own prep. Um, and let the spirit lead you into the text this week. And we want you to let the spirit lead you, whether it's with your family, your school, your work, your coffee shop, to the gym, and to soccer practice, wherever your prayer watch community might be, and wherever God invites you to go this week, where you are sent to be the living proof of our loving God. We love you guys. We'll catch you next time on the Text Lab.